Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of How I Teach with the Language Arts Lady. I'm Donna Reish, your teacher and your hostess, sharing uh, my tips and tricks from um, writing over 50,000 pages of curriculum over the last 20 years. So I'm excited to bring you another exciting episode. So before I dig in too much, let's go ahead and do a couple of housekeepings. I keep trying to make these housekeeping parts a little bit shorter each time for those of you who are on each week, um, but yet newbies need to know how to navigate. So let's start with the teacher's notebook, which I have open in front of me on the video. So there are two ways to consume uh, how I teach episodes. One is on a podcast provider, such as iTunes, and you can listen to it there and it comes up there every Tuesday. Um, and if you do that, you will want to be sure to have your teacher's notebook in front of you. So I'm just skimming right through this teacher's notebook, but every episode has a teacher's notebook, which is a booklet that goes with that episode. So it has the material that I'm teaching from, but it also has free lessons. So like last week, uh, it was how to turn any passage into a writing source for middle schoolers. You literally have a complete uh, writing lesson, the passage, the outlining spaces, the uh, instructions, the checklist challenge, you literally have a middle school writing lesson. So you don't want to miss your teacher's notebook. So you can get those, print those off, put them in a binder each week, and um, those will go along with what I'm speaking. And another way is to watch it on video. So every Tuesday, it comes up at the blog. So you can go to the blog, languageartsladyblog.com, choose how I teach, and it has all of the episodes. Click on the most recent episode, and it will have the description of the episode, the audio, the video, and the teacher's notebook all there for you, and any freebies. Also, like today, you get a freebie of the um, article posters, uh, one of the parts of speech poster sets. So you get that freebie and that's all there at the blog. So those of you who are on, uh, who've chosen the video as the way to consume, you can consume that video at my blog or at YouTube. And it has the exact same thing as the teacher's notebook. So that is really neat because what is in the teacher's notebook is what I have on my screen for you. So without further ado, let me go ahead and go to the PowerPoint and get started. This is my second try for this one. Um, my husband was not out where I was recording in the living room area in the dining room and um, had a student come a half an hour early. So I ended up having to answer the door and it interrupted the video and so forth. So this is my second attempt at episode number 21. So here we go with today's episode. It is how I teach uh, parts of speech, just an introduction to parts of speech, because, you know, there are 8, 10, 12 parts of speech, and they would each take at least one episode, if not two or three, to explain uh, some best teaching tools for those parts of speech. And then today will be articles, uh, also called noun markers. And uh, this lesson comes from the article posters, which is your freebies. So you can get those for free, the color versions of them. So the um, posters look like this, and you can see here there are, I think, 12 of them, and that, those 12 article posters are really actually what I'm going to be teaching from for the second half of this broadcast. So I'll be teaching from these, and you can see what all they contain. They're out, they're just 
um, outstanding. My graphics, my designer girl has just done a wonderful job on them. And I think they will be not only a visual reminder for you in your classroom, um, but also a teaching tool. So I recommend that when you get a group of posters from my store, at least, that you use them to teach from first and then you hang them up because they are chock full of teaching uh, material to use to teach from. Um, if you want the whole 55 page set, that would be the colored ones, the black and colored posters, the black and white posters, the colored reference rings, and the black and white reference rings. So what this means is that we have half page colored poster ads for you to uh, print off in color. And then we also have them in black and white to put together on a ring. So that would be a reference ring or to put in a student's notebook so that he has them in smaller form, uh, the same as the poster. So that's, what, that's why that's a, a whole um, product at Teachers Pay Teachers. So without further ado, let us move into um, the first part of this, which is 10 parts of speech. Okay, you flip on over one more time. You will hear me reference today the grammar quiz and answer keys and that the beginning think fast grammar quizzes are at Teachers Pay Teachers. And um, when I talk about uh, different parts of speech and memorizing them, you can utilize this uh, beginning think fast grammar quiz. And I actually did an episode, episode 19, about how to use the beginning think fast grammar quiz for instruction as well as for weekly testing. So you can follow, you can get that at Teachers Pay Teachers. You can uh, get a copy of the Think Fast quiz in episode 19. You just won't have the entire answer key. So, um, but definitely enough to utilize with your kids. So when I refer to that, you'll know what I'm talking about. All right, so um, as I mentioned, we're gonna start with the 10 parts of speech here. So I am on the screen that says, how I teach order of 10 parts of speech for those of you who are doing audio with your teacher's notebook sheets. So there are um, a myriad of ways to teach parts of speech. And I have spent my entire 20 years of curriculum writing, writing grammar curriculum in part. I have mentioned I have 50,000 pages of curriculum. 30,000 of those are probably writing and another 20 are just general language arts, 20,000 grammar, parts of speech, usage, editing, spelling, dictation, definitions, vocabulary, comprehension around passages and so forth. So um, I have spent a great deal of time on grammar and I adore grammar actually. I really, really love it. Um, that was not, my undergraduate degree was in elementary education and my master's work is in reading education. So really wasn't uh, something that I'd studied really extensively in my six years in co college, but um, I have been teaching it for 30 years because my oldest child is 38. And so I taught uh, all of our, we taught all of our kids at home for 32 years. So um, yeah, so I had a lot of opportunity and to, to deal with parts of speech and grammar and teaching methodology and so forth. And of course, as I started writing curriculum, just really delved into, you know, what are the best practices for teaching grammar? What are the best practices for teaching parts of speech usage? comma use, you know, all of those elements that you need to write well, you know, being that, you know, my first curriculum was a, a complete language arts curriculum, that was, the grammar was interwoven with the writing. And so my goal was always to teach grammar and usage and so forth in such a way that they would utilize it in their writing. And so you want to grab 
uh, my checklist challenge episodes uh, to learn more about that, about how to really take a student's grammar to the application level. I talk a lot in these broadcasts about the teach practice apply method of teaching, you know, where we teach something, then we practice it. So the practice part would be, you know, worksheets and so forth, which unfortunately I don't have my grammar worksheets up at my teacher's Bay teacher store yet, but they are coming. We're putting things up fast. So, um, but the uh, apply, practice of course is, you know, finding the prepositional phrases. It is finding the nouns. It is finding the verbs. It is differentiating. Is this a being helping or linking verb or is it an action verb? Those of course are application practice. The problem is that a lot of times with grammar, we stop there. And so that is where the checklist challenge just really solidifies, brings all of that together so that, you know, you have the teaching part, you have the, pra the practice part, and then the application part is truly using it in writing. So I've had a lot of years to, you know, consider parts of speech and so, so forth. And um, my grammar approach has always been, as I said, to apply it to writing. So it really has been like, what does a student need to write this type of writing? And so in all of my complete language arts books, it's like, okay, this time we are learning double descriptive adjectives um, and transitions because you're learning story writing. So the grammar was always completely linked to the writing. Um, whereas now that I'm making individual products, I'm looking at the parts of speech and I have been, you know, really, I had notes on this for the last five years, just like how in the world, if I were just coming at grammar from a parts of speech approach, which obviously that's a small part of grammar, right? Because you have all the clauses and the phrases and, and the compounds and the complexes and all of those things that have that, you know, and all the punctuation that goes along with those. Um, but it is a starting point, definitely. And um, it does, you know, for the most part, it can create your simple sentences. So in that regard, I come at this with, um, you know, with the avenue of uh, what does it take to teach a child to write sentences? So I have been, like I said, for the last five years, just in considering parts of speech alone, um, just really trying to think, okay, well, what order makes the most sense? I mean, this kind of thing is what keeps me up at night. <laughs> I mean, I, I lie awake at night and I grab my phone and I make some notes in my notes section of my phone and, and just ponder it some more and you know, save some links to articles. And, and grammarians, of course, do not agree on this. And I'm, I've heard that there are very heated uh, discussions you know, in those yearly MLA, APA, um, you know, uh, handbooks and um, uh, protocols and things like that as to, you know, what something is called, if something is legal anymore in writing. You remember, you know, when you used to hear that you can't end a sentence with a preposition, you used to hear that you can't start a sentence with a coordinating conjunction, you know, that type of thing. And those, and, and language is definitely, you know, it definitely evolves and it changes. That's why there's always, there are always new words being added to the dictionary every year. Um, you know, that is why you know, text has become a verb texting, Facebook has become a verb Facebooking, right? These kind of things are all part of the evolution of language. But when it came to the parts of speech, there are of course your typical eight parts of speech. 
So, you know, with the eight parts of speech, they were looking at this list that I have in front of you, that would be number two through number nine. Those are considered the eight parts of speech. Then there, you also have the 10 parts. You also have the 12 parts. So, you know, it just depends on who you're reading and who you're listening to and, and what you're after. And of course, grade levels and ages and things like that also come into play. Although I think that uh, parts of speech can be taught, you know, as early as second or third grade, as long as they are applied. Um, because you can, there, are, I, I have so many tips and tricks and, and jingles and rhymes and mnemonics, mnemonics and songs and just everything that makes all of these parts of speech so much easier to teach and can even make them fun. The danger is, of course, when you have the parts of speech being taught, you know, in an isolated way, and then they're not applied. So, you know, we all have kids who can recite prepositions. We also, you know, we have kids who maybe can recite coordinated conjunctions, but with prepositions, they don't understand what a prepositional phrase is how to punctuate it, its, it's effect on the subject verb agreement internally of the sentence. Uh, we have kids who you know, memorize the seven coordinating conjunctions, but do not know how to create a compound sentence with them. And so, um, you know, you need that application all the way through. So I settled in on the 10 parts of speech, um, primarily because I like to teach things that lead into other things. So to just start with nouns never made a lot of sense to me because I always want to teach kids that there are clue words that will show you whether a noun is coming, right? And so when you think about nouns, of course, we think that's a second grade skill. I have an article somewhere floating around there why nouns are not really a second grade skill um, because they're not, right? A second grader can say a noun is a person, place, or thing. A third grader, fourth grader might say person, place, thing, or idea, right? But nouns look like adjectives sometimes. Nouns act like verbs, right? We have, um, you know, we're going down the running path. We are going on a run. We um, have, uh, we are running of course. And so those are all nouns in various forms. So I like to give students tools to recognize the different things that I'm asking them to find. So one of those is that there are certain words that tell you that a noun is coming. So like with my high schoolers, they have to find the noun markers, the possessives, the adjectives, the clarifying adjectives, as well as the descriptive adjectives, and any prepositions that might lead to a noun as as a noun as its object. So my high schoolers have to find all five of those things before a noun because I want them to recognize patterns that noun markers, articles tell you that a noun is coming. So without further ado, let's look at this. That's why I ended up on 10 because I like to teach articles and noun markers first. Now, when I was going through in the last few years and making all of my notes about the order of parts of speech and what, you know, what would be the best order for parts of speech, I was always, um, I was always kind of you know, uh, stuck between two different things. The fact that a sentence takes a noun and a verb, that, a that you can make a sentence with just a noun and a verb, that made me want to put nouns and verbs together right off the bat. Let's teach them what a sentence has. Cats jump. There you go. You have a sentence. You have a noun and you have a verb. Of course, that noun is acting like a subject, right? And that's another problem because kids think that all nouns are subjects. 
we have so much work to do, right? <laughs> we have so much work to do. And it's so hard. It's not, this is not easy stuff, right? So that made me want to put nouns and verbs together. But then I have this adjective problem. And it is a big adjective problem. And it is that an adjective is a big word and it has no clues as to its purpose. Okay, so I can say a pro, a noun marker marks a noun. I can say an adverb, add something to a verb. I can say a pronoun, pro means for, is for a noun. I can say an interjection is interjected. I can say a coordinated conjunction coordinates two sentences or two parts of sentences or two words or conjoins them. But here we have adjectives, big word, no clues. So I don't, I don't like the thought of doing nouns and then verbs and then later doing adjectives because I like, I wanted the adjectives to be close to the verb, to close to the noun in my teaching order. The other thing is that I didn't like the idea of putting adjectives and adverbs beside each other. I feel like that's a very um, slippery slope in teaching grammar. I think that that kids, uh, you, that when you throw two things, we had two describers, they are answering two different questions, right? Adjectives, what kind, which one, how many and whose. Some are clarifying, some are um, descriptive. And then you have adverbs telling who, telling how, where, when, and to what extent. Answering two different sets of questions and they're describing two different things. Well, adjectives describe nouns and pronouns and adverbs describe, of course, nouns, other adverbs and adjectives. So I don't like teaching adjectives and adverbs back to back. Part of me just wanted to jump right down to interjections, coordinating conjunctions and articles and do this first because I have rhymes, jingles, mnemonics. There are only three articles. There are only seven coordinated conjunctions. There are only six interjections. And then we expand from there, of course, because there are other interjections like whoa and wow and stuff like, I mean, wow, it's one of whoa and ah and um, mom, you know, that you're interjecting, but you start with the six. So I wanted, I, part, part of me wanted to start there, but instead I settled in this order here. So here we go. Articles are now markers, which is what I'm going to spend the last bit of this episode on. The and a the three little words tell you that a noun is about to be heard. Then an, a noun, it's concrete, kids know what they are kind of already, and um, there are millions of them. <laughs> then adjectives, so keep that adjective right there with the noun, that's how I like to do that, because it describes the noun. And then verbs, okay, so see where we are creating, we're building a sentence as we go through this teaching. Um, so the black cat climbs, and then we actually have a complete sentence. Then adverbs, because those adverbs can describe those verbs. And then pronouns, because there are four nouns, they take the place of a noun. So we don't want to say the black cat easily climbs, the black cat uses his claws, so we can put in he or it or she, right? Preposition, um, on, on the trees. And then we have a whole lot to learn about prepositions, right? which is in uh, episode 19, beginning Think Fast grammar quiz. Um, then we have interjections. My, well, oh, wow, yes, no. Two simple punctuations for those, so those aren't too difficult. Coordinated conjunctions, fanboys, for and nor, but, or yet so. And then lastly, determiners, which I'm not going to talk about today. Um, 
because they, I'm going to have, I just decided actually when I recorded the first one of this and I got interrupted to do determiners as a separate um, episode and try to convince you that maybe we don't really need to call them determiners. Maybe we can call them clarifying adjectives or numerical adjectives or possessive pronouns, so on. So we'll talk about that later. So that is my order. So today I want to start with articles. Again, these free posters are there for you. So go get them. There are 12 of them. And the first thing that I do with articles is I call them two things because articles are also sometimes called noun markers. Whenever you can call a part of speech something that gives students clues as to what that part of speech does, we want to do that. So coordinated conjunctions, conjoin, interjections, interject, subordinators are subject. They're subordinate to the rest of the sentence. Noun markers mark a noun. All right, the second thing I do with noun markers is change the order. No more a and the. All right, I'm going to have a slide on that in just a second. That's one of the posters. So first thing I do is I call them articles and noun markers, and I tell students that they mark a noun. They tell you that a noun is coming. Then, um, and there's a poster for that. A noun marker marks a noun, tells you that a noun is coming, and a the. The next thing that I do is teach that there are three of them. There are not four of them. An and is not a noun marker. And this is why I change the order. When students learn a and the, because of the, the hardness of the the, they think it's a and the, right? A and the. You can, when you run it together, they think that it is and. So they mistakenly think that and is a noun marker or an article. Um, that is one reason why I change the order, and a the. The other thing, that I do is emphasize that it's three words. So I use the new order, then I emphasize that there are only three, and then I tell you what they do. So this is the rhyme that I use, and this is one of the posters. And a the, three little words, tell you that a noun is about to be heard. Okay, you'll notice the and a the is repeated on all the posters, aren't those gorgeous? All right, so then of course there are definites and indefinites. Now, I always, I would use like the reference rings or the work, um, the notebooking sheets, the half sizes and have each student have his own. And we would highlight definite. We would draw a margin to the, the uh, a note, an arrow to the margin. And we would say definite means no. Definite means one answer. Yes, you can go to the party or no, you cannot. We would even write, yes, you can go. No, you cannot. It's definite. It's only one or the other. So it's one thing. And articles that are definite tell about one specific thing, not more than one, it's definite. The mountain, not any mountain, not a mountain. And the girl, not any girl, but a specific one. I feel like I'm racing through this now because I spent so much time on the parts of speech. Um, I'm gonna be doing a lot more of the parts of speech in coming episodes, so stay tuned. All right, then indefinite, we circle I in, we draw an arrow to the margin, it means no or not, right? So inept means not, inarticulate means not articulate, inappropriate means not appropriate. Um, I would put some short words with in on the board. We would write no above the in, and then we would say no, not definite, not appropriate, not, right? That's how I teach all prefixes. Get them some words they already know, right? And then build off of that. And so the indefinite ones could be any boy, 
a boy, any owl, an owl. All right, now here we have the whole concept of an and a before a noun or before any word, because it could be before an adjective, right? In the case of a black dog. Um, when I was learning this as a child, I don't know that I was taught wrong. It could have been my, you know, how I took it in, but I always thought that it was use a before a consonant and use an before a vowel. And I'm embarrassed to say that it was actually when I was teaching my own kids 30, 30 to 35 years ago that I realized that that is not the case. <laughs> so it is the sound. It is the sound. And this is another reason why I don't think that children who are learning to read who have not reached reading fluency need to learn parts of speech yet, right? Because they need to work hard, put all their energies, all their efforts, all their brain power into reaching reading fluency, into reaching, into being able to read well. And when they're working on um, an and a, and they don't know all their sounds, it's gonna be pretty hard to tell them, no, 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 unicorn, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like a Y, remember? Remember that sometimes you sound like a Y and then all of a sudden you're back to phonics, right? So we want them to know how to read before we do this. But before the consonant sound, so it's a dog, it's a unicorn. It's an eel, it's an honor. So notice that it doesn't matter what the, what the word after the A or an begins with. It only matters what it sounds like. So a cat, a dog, a unicorn, a European country, and a hat. Okay, and I would point out to them, if they had their reference rings, so their worksheets, their notebook sheets, I would have them highlight the U and write a Y above it, have them highlight the E, U, and have them write a Y above it, European unicorn. So we say A. Uh, when, we can, when we come to the and, I always tell my kids, you use an and before a, a, i, a, 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 o, e, i, o, u. <laughs> so I go through the, all the vowels real fast and they think it's funny because Elementary kids think people are funny. That's why I like them. <laughs> and eel and honor, highlight H and put an O above it or an AW above it. And ape and our and I. And that is how I teach articles and noun markers. So I'm excited to bring you my whole lineup of 10 parts of speech posters. Um, eventually, the next one we're working on is prepositions, even though that's not the order I would teach them in. Um, but I'm also working on a preposition practice packet. Um, so we're going to do the preposition posters at the same time. So here we go, guys. Let's go ahead to our back matter and let me give you some freebies. All right. So in uh, the one, you can see languagearsladyblog.com forward slash how I teach. That's where all of the episodes are. Click on it. You get it all. Description, video, audio and free teacher's notebook sheet. Okay, now you can get all of the teacher's notebook sheets in one download at languageartsladyblog.com forward slash teacher's notebook. And some more freebies. Here we have how to complete the checklist challenge. Uh, that has a lot about parts of speech in it, uh, the application of it, like I described earlier. Write for a month Beauty and the Beast one, write for a month Mowgli two, writing boxes, opportunities to you know, find your subject and your verb and put in your describers, really great. Those are free booklets and they also have videos of me teaching students are, that you could use 
with your students um, with me actually teaching them uh, those teaching those booklets. And then you get and get those free article now marker posters as well, all 12 of those in color. All right, so here are some digital products related to this topic. As I said, I don't have my grammar materials all up yet, all of my all of my thousands of pages of grammar up yet, but what I do have is a lot of opportunity to apply grammar with writing boxes. All of those writing boxes are going to find them the subject of the sentence, the verb, those are the main words they're going to use to rewrite. They're going to put describers in. Um, it's just, they're just really, really good exercises for application. Same thing with the tools and tricks books that are coming out, how to sentence by sentence and how to checklist challenge. Those are coming soon, we're almost done with those. And uh, meaningful composition, one a semester downloadable books. And those are um, all have a lot of grammar and parts of speech and stuff in those. And then of course the article posters, all 55 pages of those and the beginning think fast quiz. And I wanted to tell you uh, since it is July about my creative class. So um, I'm working with families who are maybe gathering a few students and gonna create a small class in person or online. And then I will teach them whatever they want taught out of all of my materials and um, or also co-ops um, like an online co like a co-op where I would be online teaching and they would have a moderator teacher there who would follow along in the lessons and stuff and then grade the students papers but I would teach all the content and that is another great way to um, get some of my materials and have me actually teach them to your students while your um, co-op teacher moderates. So we have a lot of services. You can hire a teacher for one or more classes, online or live. My husband does tons. He does almost everything for high school that you can even imagine except for foreign language. Very gifted um, in junior high and high school. Also, he has the Orton-Gillingham um, dyslexia training. So uh, he's also great with elementary kids for reading as well. And private tutoring as well, online or in person. Thank you so much for joining me to the, for this episode of How I Teach with the Language Arts Lady. I will see you next week.